happen. Today we're going to continue in our series about receiving the fullness of God, receiving the fullness of Christ. We've taken several steps in the last few weeks. God's revealed several things for us to do so that we can walk in the fullness of everything that Christ died to give us. The shed blood of Jesus, his resurrection life, the shed blood of Jesus vanquishes every fear. The shed blood of Jesus has conquered the penalty of sin. The shed blood of Jesus has given us life. Resurrection life restored unto our Father God. How precious. How precious the gift that we've been given in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So today we're going to talk about, we're going to share that God keeps his covenant with you. He keeps his covenant with you. He is a covenant God. He is a covenant-keeping God. And his covenant is for you. He has made a covenant of love, and he has made a covenant of peace with you. By the blood of Jesus, you are redeemed into communion with your Father, the Lord of all the universe, the creator of all things. Do you think there's anything in your life that cannot be reconciled? The answer to that is no. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. You see, beloved, he wants relationship with you. And when we step into Jesus, we step into that relationship. Hallelujah. He has a covenant of love with you. He has a covenant of peace with you. Isaiah 54.10 Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. You serve of God. When you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, you serve a God of mercy and grace and compassion. 
His covenant is written in the blood of his dear son, written in the blood of Jesus for you. Luke twenty-two twenty. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Thank you that we have a better covenant which is poured out for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And beloved, when he says he is a God of covenant, that will never change. It stands resolute for all of eternity. He says to us in Psalm 89, 34, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have spoken. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. He loves you eternally. He loves you unconditionally. And we have been sealed. Believers have been sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. We have a seal. The precious Holy Spirit. So what is covenant? We need to know what covenant is. It is not just a contract. It is a relationship. It is a relationship. And to make covenant with another is to bind oneself to that person. To bind oneself to that person. He has bound himself to you by agreement, promise, or unbreakable contract. It is a pledge. It is an alliance. It is an unequivocal ordinance, leaving no doubt as to what it includes. And through Jesus' blood, we are bound to our Father God. You step into his covenant. You step into his covenant the minute you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is a blood-bought, you have been blood-bought. It is a blood-sealed covenant for you. Jesus becomes your blood-brother <laughs> Think about that. He becomes your redeemer. He becomes your intercessor. He becomes your Lord. He stands in the gap. He lives ever to make intercession for you. You receive all this as a result of the covenant, of the blood. You become an heir. Listen to this. You become an heir of God. You become a co-heir with Jesus. That's power, beloved. That's authority. That's unshakable love. That's a firm foundation. And I wasn't actually planning on going there, but in Genesis 15, I won't have the scriptures for you, but in Genesis 15, you see, 
Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham, right? And let me just tell you something. This is really powerful because it shows you how much this covenant depends on the Father. That should give you security. That should make you feel solid. It is unchangeable. What happened when that covenant, you know, when the covenant was made, they split the animals, they put them apart, and then the two parties would walk through, right? The two parties would walk through as a sign of the covenant and, the, and the, you know, there was blood. But when he made the covenant with Abraham, Abraham was asleep. He made the covenant, you know, the animals were split, and God went through. He didn't even have Abraham walk through. Are you getting it? Are you getting how secure your covenant with him is when you believe on the, we have a new covenant, we have a better covenant, we have better blood, don't we? Because of the New Testament, right? But are you understanding how unshakable that he will keep his covenant with those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Right? Abraham was asleep. Go ahead and read it. You guys can read it later. It's in Genesis 15. Read especially, it's probably like 12, 17, 18. Read those verses. And in Hebrews, he said when he made his promise to Abraham, when he, Hebrews 6.13, he said when he made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will bless. And then it goes on. Okay? Because there was no one greater than himself. He has sworn by himself. That's unchangeable, it's unshakable. Never ending, unconditional. It is yes and amen, period. Okay. So anyway, where was I? He's our blood brother, he's our redeemer, heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus. These are things we receive when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our covenant. Christ is our covenant. This is what belongs to you. Now, we're going to go through several things that the covenant gives to us. Ephesians 1.13. You were also included in Christ. Oh, and by the way, if there's anyone in here today that has not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I don't want you to be discouraged by this discussion. Because I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to receive him so you can just learn and understand everything that you receive when you receive Christ. I'll give an invitation at the end of the service. Ephesians 1.13 You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. That's the gospel. The gospel of your salvation when you believed, uh, you were marked in him. When you believed. Not a millisecond later. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 
the moment you believed. Okay? That's important to understand that because the next scripture talks about the Spirit. So when you believe, you become marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Okay, so do you see why that was an important scripture? Hello? Okay. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Children of the Most High God. The minute you believe. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. You are heirs. Heirs of God. Heirs of God. Open house, beloved. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful that you share in his glory. Everything that he is. Does Christ, let me ask you this, does Christ lack anything? No. Christ lacks nothing. So what has he ordained? What is, what is the position that he has ordained for you as a believer? Hello? To lack nothing. Thank you. Someone's engaging with me today. Awesome. So if he lacks nothing, we have been ordained in Christ to lack nothing. He didn't give us a partial gospel. He didn't give us just part. Right? So if he lacks nothing, and, and by the way, that makes logical sense, but just so you know, the word also tells us that. So we're going to back it up with the word. We back everything up with the word. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Just because you don't believe it, well, nobody at RCC, but just because you might be tempted not to believe it, doesn't make it so. The word is the so. The word is the be all, end all. Okay? And it says... In my book, in my Bible, it says, For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So are you seeking the Lord? Hallelujah. What else do we receive? He gives us a seat with Jesus. He 
he loves us the very same that he loves Jesus. Don't think he loves you less. He loves you the same. Ephesians 2.4 But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Hallelujah. I get to be alive with Christ. You get to be alive with Christ. Even when, even when we were dead in our transgressions. How is that possible? Because he paid the price and he said it so. We are, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. We need to receive the revelation of the fullness of what this is talking about. God raised us up with Christ. You are raised up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We get to have the same vantage point that Jesus has when we are in him, when we are in Christ. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Incomparable. Nothing can compare. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Expressed in his kindness to us. Not his wrath. It says his kindness. I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, Psalm 27, 13. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 1. And I'm going to read out of the emphasized Rotherham's version. If therefore ye have been raised together with Christ, who here, as a believer, has been raised together with Christ? Okay. The things on high be seeking. So seek the things on high. In other words, set our minds, set our hearts, set our spirits on the things on high. In what is that? What are the things on high? That would be your position in Christ. That would be what he's given you, who you are in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, co-heir with Jesus. Those are the things. Because it is your inheritance. The things on high be seeking. Where the Christ is on the right hand of God sitting. So, receive the things of Christ. If he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, what is he missing? Nothing. Nothing. On the right hand of God sitting, the things on high hold in esteem. Those are the things that you want to esteem. Those are the things you want to regard. Those are the things that you want to believe for in your life. Those are the things you seek. Those are the things you respect. Not the things upon the earth. 
And then in John 17, it says, I in them, so this is Jesus talking, okay? I in them, you, Father God, in me, so that they, y'all, may be brought to complete unity, then the world, the world means those who have not chosen to believe yet, those yet to believe, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You see that? He loves you the same he loves Jesus. No difference. No difference. So, what belongs to us? We're going to keep going. What belongs to us through Jesus? We've just now discussed that we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus. In John 17, Jesus goes on and says that he has given us his glory. John 17, 22. This is Jesus talking. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Jesus is one with the Father, isn't he? He tore the veil. We received entrance into the throne of grace. He has given us his glory that we may have communion with our Father. Get that? Make sense? He deposits his glory in us. Jesus says that all that belongs to his Father is his. Everything that belongs to the Father is Jesus. He, and by the way, he's the exact image of the Father. And he says that the Holy Spirit's going to show all that to us. So he's not keeping any secrets, beloved. He's letting you know what you're heir to, that to which you are heir. He has given us, in other words, everything of Jesus is available to us. Are you going to walk in it? Are you going you gonna to walk in it? You know, in other words, he's not saying, oh, Jim, you can have this part. And, oh, Dave, you get this, this stuff over here. Uh-uh. It's the whole package for every believer. It's all of it for every believer. Now we have a choice whether we're going to believe Christ. We have a choice whether we're going to believe on what he really did. We have a choice whether we're going to see that. At any rate, he has given us his authority. He has given us his authority. He has given us his fullness. The fullness of Christ. Everything that Christ is. Colossians 2.9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives, the deity, that's the Father God, in bodily form. See, he came here as a man led by the Holy Spirit. Are you a man? Are you a woman? Are you a man? Are you a woman? Okay, he came as a man. He was led by the Holy Spirit. So you as a man or woman, 
are also led by the Holy Spirit according to his design, right? Okay. And he has given you entrance into his fullness. And in Christ, in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Christ the head, and he's your head. Right? He's the head over every power and authority. So what is it in your life that's not coming in line with his likeness? Get it submitted. Get it submitted to him. It cannot help but conform to his fullness and his likeness. Right? He is the head because you submit to the head, don't you? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by the hands of men, by human hands, your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So why are you dragging it around? Why in your mind do you insist on identifying with the old man? Stop it. It's no longer who you are. It is absolutely no longer, if you believe that you have been circumcised by the hand of Christ, in Christ, put off. It's already been put off. And the only person that can bring it back is you. So quit identifying with the old. Receive the resurrection life. Receive the new creation life. Receive the reality of who he believes you are in him. God sees you, the Father, your Father, sees you through the blood. He sees you perfected through the blood of Christ. So quit believing what the devil has to say. He no longer has authority over you. If you are submitted to the headship of Christ, those lies, those fears, no longer have a place in your life. We have victory because of our faith in Jesus. Okay. Circumcised by Christ, that's powerful. That is a powerful statement. Who could do it better? <laughs> Nobody. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God. That's your faith in God. That's why we're going through these weeks and weeks and weeks of knowing your father, knowing what he's given you knowing whom you are serving, 
knowing to whom you belong. Who raised Jesus, who raised him from the dead? Now, if he raised Jesus from the dead, do you think there's anything in your life that he can't raise into victory? No. So if you just want to, like, just stay in a pit, that's up to you. But you're, if you're staying in a pit, you're believing a lie. End of discussion. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made you alive with Christ. Hallelujah. No darkness too dark, no sinner too sinning. Right? Nothing too evil, nothing too bad. You haven't done anything too wrong that he has chosen not to make you alive in Christ. That is his heart for you to be alive in Christ and every facet of your life be redeemed, reconciled, perfected. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Every one of them. Don't hang on to it. Having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness. You get what that means? Sin would hold you in the grave. Sin There's a legal indebtedness that comes with sin. A legal indebtedness. The wages of sin is death. But guess what? It tells me right here that he canceled the charge. He canceled the charge that would have been against you. Well, if I didn't have to keep preaching, I'd be running around the room right now. That includes everything, everything, every bit of it. So the only person that can hang on to it is you. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, legally we would have been bound by the suffrages of sin, which stood against us and condemned us. That's what would have happened. But once you're in Jesus, that's not what's happening anymore. You've been liberated. You've been set free. You have a new life in Christ. You're a whole new you. You're a new creation in him. You have a whole new existence. You have a whole new reality. Are you going to walk in it? Are you just going to Forfeit it. I'm not going to forfeit anything. You know what? To be honest, I would much rather someone think that I am out of my mind because I am going so much for all the fullness of Christ than to worry about the fact 
that I might be forfeiting something that he already promised me that I could have. And by the way, you don't need to correct anybody who is believing for all the fullness, even if you think it's ridiculous. God will correct them if they're wrong. Why should you dash a hope that is established in Christ? If you don't understand it, why don't you get your believing in line with the Word? Because all you have to do is go to the Word. So don't worry about whether someone is walking in this tremendous blessing and you think they just have pie in the sky thinking. No lack in Christ. So I'm going to believe. I am going to believe when the scripture tells me that I am seated at the right hand of the Father. In Christ, the key, of course, I'm going to believe for every bit of it. And people would be a lot happier if they would do that. I have a triumphant Christ. It's really all it comes down to. I have a triumphant Christ. Nothing ever defeated him. And I'm going to walk the same way in him. The key to that was his love poured out. Think about that. Okay, where was I? Because none of that was included on the thing. I don't know where I was. Okay, here's where I was. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away. He's taken it away. Every bit of your legal indebtedness. Nailing it to the cross. New life in Christ. It is finished. Do you believe that it is finished for you in your life that you can live in resurrection victory? Do you believe that? I believe that. And having disarmed, this is what he did. He already did this for you. Disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. If he triumphed over them by the cross, then you triumph in him. Yes. Hallelujah. Matthew 10, 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them Authority. Authority. Are you a disciple? To drive out impure spirits and heal every. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say only the little bitty ones. It says every. Disease and sickness. You see, Jesus has transferred his authority, his, his authority has been transferred to us. 
He had all authority and power over every sickness, impure spirit, every disease, every darkness, and we're either going to choose to believe that and to walk in it or not. But you know what? Guess what? Just because a person chooses not to believe that does not diminish Jesus' authority. And it does not diminish the fact that his word says that he's given it to us. Christianity is not for cowards. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.18 I pray that the eyes of your understanding or the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. So we have to have our hearts enlightened to know this hope. This is something that we need to learn. We need to have revelation of the hope to which he has called you. What is that hope? It is the fullness of Christ. It is resurrection life. It is the completeness. The glory of God through Jesus. Hallelujah. So that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, listen to this verse, his glorious inheritance, keyword, in, in, I-N, in, his holy people. That's all believers. And it uses the word in. It doesn't use the word that we're chasing after. It doesn't use the word that it's like going to come. It says in. In his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. Power for us who believe. Because you hope in Christ, you have been given power. Because you understand what he's done for you. Because you desire to have the revelation of what he's done for you. Power for us who believe, that would be in Christ. The power is the same, not diminished, not secondary, not second fiddle. The power is the same. As the mighty strength, and by the way, when you look that word up in Strong's, it means force, it means especially, particularly, miraculous power. It means combative power. That power, that, that word mighty strength, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. That is power. Raised up, seated, raised up, 
above the carnality of this world, raised up above every demon spirit, raised up above every darkness for you. In the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and that particular word means control, mastery, over, above, all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. Nothing is left out. Nothing more powerful than Jesus. Nothing greater than his authority. And it's been placed in his holy people. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So key, who's your head? Thank you. When Christ is our head, when we are submitted to him, now, beloved, does that mean you have to be perfect? No, because if you think you have to be perfect, you've totally annihilated his mercy and grace. What does he look on? What does he look on? Yes, the heart, your heart. Is your heart submitted? Okay. When Christ is our head, the hope that we receive, the hope that we receive, it said just a few sentences ago, is his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Hallelujah. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Listen to this. Listen to his description of you. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's every believer. That's the church. That's his body. We have, this is another thing that's important for you to know, we have the same spirit in us that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. (laughs) Romans 8.10. But if Christ is in you, then... Okay? It follows. It's secure. It doesn't say sometimes. It says, if Christ is in you, then, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, which we've been legally redeemed from, correct? 
The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. The scripture says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So you qualify here. Not only do you qualify because of that, you qualify because of what we read earlier in Ephesians 1.13. If y'all can remember back that far. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, Right? He who, and you're assured of that when you're a believer. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is all part of your covenant. An unequivocal, unbreakable promise sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are marked by Christ, sealed by Holy Spirit. So, we must, to be victorious in this life, to receive all that he has for us, which, by the way, is it very important for you to do? Why is it important for you to do? Because he has a mission for you. To complete his mission, it is very important that you align yourself with his covenant and understand who you are so that you can walk in it. He, he, he's given this to you so you can walk in it, so that you can bless him so that you can fulfill his mission for all people on the earth, so you can draw souls in, so that you can disciple people, so that you can help people overcome and be raised up in hope. So this is very, very, very important. This is not, we're not just sitting here trying to learn, you know, about the fullness of Christ and how great we are, you know, and... No, no, that's not, yes, he's great. And yes, he is great in us. But we are here to bring him glory. And the more we receive revelation of the fullness of who he is in us, the more we bring him glory. The more we can walk in what he exactly wants us to walk in here on earth. So this is important. This is not just for you Yes, it is for you, but it's for him to achieve his purposes. We want to align with his will. Everything we do, we want to align with his will. And beloved, it is so easy to know his will. Don't really ever come to me and say that you can't know God's will. I don't believe it. We can talk about it. But you can know God's will. His word is right here. So we align ourselves with his covenant. We believe his covenant. We put his will foremost in our lives. And we renew our minds and our spirits to everything in here. You see, what, what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to please the Father. 
He came to please the Father. John 6.38 For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. John 8.28 Jesus said, this is Jesus talking, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that's Jesus, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Do you think that's impossible? It is not impossible. The Holy Spirit came. He sent the Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit. He had to walk by the Holy Spirit. He fulfilled the Father's will. He pleased the Father. He did only what the Father wanted him to to do. So all of that is completely possible for us. Every day. Every moment of every day. It's just a matter of whether we're going to submit to that. that. That will be our heart's desire. The one who sent me is with me. Do you know that the Lord is always with you? The Father is always with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He has not left me alone. He doesn't leave you alone. You can take that two ways, couldn't you? (laughs) Thank you, Lord, that you never leave me alone, that you're always showing me something new, that you're always showing me where I need to correct myself. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But he also doesn't leave you alone like forsaken. But aren't you glad he, like, keeps, you know, hey, come on over here. You know what I'm saying? The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. See, that was Jesus' mission. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. And he gave us a wonderful example of this in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? When he was about, when he knew the road that he was going to have to walk to the cross. He chose to walk out the plan. We choose to walk out the plan. He chose to sacrifice his life. We choose to sacrifice our life for others. He determined to do the Father's will no matter what. And we need to do the same thing. Matthew 26, 39 And he went a little beyond them, uh, his disciples, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, this is Jesus talking, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me yet. Yet. Not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying. That's good advice. So that you do not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The power rests in the spirit. Holy Spirit. Not our own flesh. It's not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps gospel. It's when I'm weak, in my weakness, the power of God prevails. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 
He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink from it, your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Our heart desire always to please the Father. Then he went, and he paid the price, and he finished the work so that we could receive his fullness. So that we could receive resurrection life. So that we could receive revelation life. So that we could walk in ascended life here. the life of being seated in heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father. Here. To fulfill God's mission, to do that which pleases the Father. Hallelujah. So, beloved, we cannot quit. We cannot ever say that we know it all, that we know enough, that, there we, that, that there's no more for us to learn. We learn, we renew our minds every day. We cast down every evil imagination that would exalt itself against the word of God and we replace it with his word. Truth. The spirit of truth revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. We have to be patient sometimes. Remember when Daniel prayed, right? And he didn't see the answer for 21 days. He wanted to know what that vision was about. He prayed. And, and Michael came to him later and said, I was dispatched the very first day. You see, God always answers. But sometimes we, we must stand. We have to be firm. We have to be resolute. We can't let the winds here blow us off track. We have to say, I know my God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I know in whom I believe. He is a covenant-keeping God. No word of his covenant will ever fall to the ground without coming to pass. I choose it. We cannot shrink back. The angels, the angels are dispatched when believers speak the word. They respond to the word of God. Those are their marching orders, right? In Hebrews, in Hebrews 1.14, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. That's you. That's the believer. Okay? That's power. So we must believe in accordance with God's will. This is his will. This is his word. When we believe in the word, and by the way, who is the word? The word is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we believe in the word, we are believing in Christ and all his fullness for your life and for the lives of others. So we have to agree with the word. We have to believe the word. And we thank God for the word. 
coming to pass in our lives. And we don't move off that because we are believing the covenant which God sealed in the blood of his dear son who died for you, who died for me. We have to praise him before we see the answer. We have to know in whom we believe. And no matter what, we continue on with faith in Christ. We're not going to be moved by what we see. We're not going to be moved. We're only going to be moved by the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4.18 So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want to fix my eyes on the eternal. The yea and amen of God, where every promise is true. I serve a faithful God, the unseen realm of God, eternal, final word in every situation that we face in life not to be moved off of it. So I want to give you just a couple of scriptures to encourage you. Psalm 46.1 God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. See, his covenant will never fail you. Isaiah 54.17 No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment Thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Your righteousness in God, His covenant for you. We've already studied that we lack no good thing, right? Well, let me ask you this. Is God's word a good thing? God's word is definitely a good thing. So I'm going to set my heart to the fact that I'm not going to lack any good thing in that word. I will expect, I will expect, I do expect the whole package, the entirety of the word in my life, fulfilled, demonstrated, manifested, fulfilling his mission. And I will stand steadfast on every promise in scripture. To know the scripture is to know the living, 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 it is a living word, an active word. It is to know the Father. It is to know the Father and his heart for us. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Do you realize what that scripture really means? Because, you know, I think sometimes we just, yeah, yeah, I know that. Okay, think about this picture. Think about what this is saying. The word of God is quick, powerful, sharper 
than any two-edged sword, piercing or dividing between the soul and spirit. There's a soul realm and there's a spirit realm. Which one do you want? Of course. We want the spirit realm. Well, the word of God is going to divide between them. <coughs> the word of God is going to give you revelation. The word of God, it will separate so that you can see clearly <coughs> to disregard that and choose the spirit. Does that make sense? <coughs> Excuse me. So, beloved, the long and short of it is that God keeps his covenant. He keeps his covenant to you. He won't alter it. He won't change it. He keeps his covenant, and he intends, intends for us to receive all the fullness of the covenant. Who is our covenant in the New Testament? It's Christ. So if you see it in Christ, you can believe for it. It's intended for you. It's not too good to be true. All right. So, I said at the beginning I was going to offer an invitation for anyone who wanted to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's anyone in this room and that's anyone 